If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. brought some revelation to me in preparation for this morning that I hope and pray will be transferred into your heart. Very well could change the way you think. Because up until about 10 days ago, I had certain perspective on things and those things have been challenged. 1 John chapter 3 verse 16 it says hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him how dwelleth the love of God in him My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In this prayer, I want you to pray that God would give you revelation that maybe you've never considered before. Would you pray with me? Stretch your hand this direction. Father, I love you today. I thank you for the word of God. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, you have illuminated things in the cracks and the crevices and the closets of my soul. And I pray, God, today that as you have touched my heart, that you will transfer this word into the hearts of every person hearing in this sanctuary online. God, may our perspective change today as a result of hearing the Word of God. We thank you, we praise you, we bless you. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. The title of the message today is simply this, Choose Love. Choose Love. In fact, this day, the holiday that gushes with emotions and expressions of devotion and commitment, the floral industry and jewelry merchants and card and chocolate distributors are scrambling around to make sure that the consumer's demands are met. Restaurants will have more uptick today with customers that are willing to wait a little longer than normal so that we can celebrate that holiday that is love. But what the world celebrates today, the true believer understands every day. What the world attempts to capture on the 14th of February every year, the Christian embraces at all times of the year. What the world practices in its giving and sharing on this heart-filled day, the true child of God chooses love every moment of every day of their life. 
So today, the first thing I would tell you is that we need to choose love as your status. You see, when you are a child of God, you choose love as, as a noun. It is your standing. It is your position. It is your posture. It is your place. I am loved. I am loved. I have been loved with unconditional love by the great creator of the world. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 tells us, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows not, because it knew him not. My position today is that I am loved. The reason I can state, state that is because the Father, the Heavenly Father, chose love. The reason I can state that today is because Jesus chooses love. In fact, he said of himself, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. So God the Father chooses love. Jesus the Son chooses love. Therefore, my status, my standing, my position is that I am eternally, affectionately, powerfully, and definitely loved. I have and you have experienced the golden text of all the Bible. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Can I tell you today, God's love is real. Can I tell you, God's love is personal. His love is consistent. His love is perfect. I come across something the other day that, that really challenged me. It was, a, it was something from one of our leaders in our denomination in the church of God. And it challenged my thinking, and I want you to listen very carefully uh, to, to this that was, that was uh, stated. And I'm going to read it in, in its quote. And this is the quote. Preachers need to stop saying God loves you just the way you are. That is blatantly false. Rather, we should say God loves you in spite of the way you are. He wants you to become a new creation in Christ where old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. When I read that and I looked at it, I, I was one that for many, many years have embraced that and I understand the sentiment behind it. God wants us to change. He wants us to be different after we come to the Lord. But when you read that, if you're not careful in the, in the verbiage and the way that it's stated, it throws off a performance challenge to unsaved people. And it throws off an inference that you have to earn God's love. But I want the alcoholic listening today and the drug addict that may be watching today and the adulterer that may be tuning in and the fornicator and the liar and the gambler and the one who is suicidal and the one that's even homicidal. I want them to know God is love. And God loves you just the way you are today. There are no strings attached. He loves every sinner right now. At this moment, he loves every sinner 
No matter what level of sin they are in, he loves every sinner as much as he loves every saint listening to this preacher. He loves every sinner as much as he loves every saint in this room. You have to understand this. Whether you're holy or unholy, whether you are profane or whether you are living a life of righteousness, it does not differentiate God's love for you. Well, praise the Lord. God so loved the world when the world is on its way to hell, it doesn't change God's love for the world. Mm. You and I, whether we're a believer or an unbeliever, we are his highest affection, his number one devotion. His redeemed, his chosen, his purchased. We are the very apple of his eye and the most precious of his creations. Whereas all of creation, he said, was good when it came to, when he was done creating it, when it came to you and I in this room and every soul watching and every soul in this world, he said that creation was very good. The highest being in the universe found his greatest glory when he stooped to the lowest for wretched sinners such as you and I to redeem us and save us. God chose love because God is love. The love is who I, whom I belong to. And he loves me. Love is who I am. God chose love and Jesus chose love. And as a result of that, that is my standing that is my status. That is my position. If I blow it tomorrow, and I want you to hear this preacher, if I blow it tomorrow, if I walk away and forsake my family, if I turn my back on God, if I abandon his precepts and his commandments, if I turn to a life of worldliness and ungodliness, it will not change how much God loves my soul. And if we're not careful, in the body of Christ, we will put out an inference that people have to earn the love of God. There's no strings attached. Now, once you come to the Lord, once you experience God, once you truly have an experience with the Lord, you won't help but want to change. But I'm telling you, whether you're a heathen or a believer, God loves you unconditionally. So I choose love. Because God chooses love and Jesus chooses love. It is my position. It is my posture. It's my status. It's my standing. But let me move quickly to the second part of this message. And that is you have to choose love, not just as your status and your standing, but you have to choose love as your action. You have to choose it as your action. As much as we in the church, and if you've been in the church any length of time, I've been in it all my life, and I'm grateful for every moment. Every teacher, every Sunday school class, every youth group, every time I sat and listened to someone share the word of God, I'm grateful for every one of those experiences. And I remember from a small child, much like many of you in the room, the very first passage of Scripture that I learned was called the golden text of all the Bible. For God so loved the world, as I just shared with you a few moments ago. 
But I'm telling you, God just really messed with me the last uh, couple of weeks. As much as we in the church work hard to teach our children John 3, 16, and we should. And like most of you, it was one of the first verses that I memorized. And, but I'm telling you, I dare say that not one of us, including yours truly, have 1 John 3, 16 committed to memory. You say, well, I don't know. Is that just as important as John 3, 16? John 3, 16 just tells us about the love of God. Whether you're a believer, whether you're an unbeliever, God loves you. And that's powerful. But I'm telling I'm here to say to you today that we should teach our children 1 John 3, 16, which is just as important. It's just as golden. And this is what it says. Hereby perceive we the love of God that he laid down his life for us. But it doesn't doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I submit to you that it is just as important to know 1 John 3.16 as it is to know John 3.16. In fact, I will tell you not only is it just as golden of a text, but it is an expanded golden text because the first part of the verse acknowledges the love that God has shed abroad in our heart and the standing that we have in him because of that but oh it doesn't stop there it goes to the second part of the verse which means that it can't just be your noun it can't just be your standing it can't just be your status oh no once love gets a hold of you it becomes who you are it's not just who you are it becomes the way you practice it becomes on your countenance it becomes about uh, loving others and ministering to others as Christ would have us to if we have become a Christian if we have uh, if we have become a new creature in Christ truly. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. You know what that means? That means your spiritual DNA has been changed out. You have given away the DNA of the world. You have given away the DNA of your ungodliness and you have traded it in for the righteousness of Christ. You have been covered by the blood of Jesus. You've traded the DNA of the devil, your evil daddy, for the DNA of your heaven. Oh, somebody help me preach here. For the DNA of your heavenly father. And you know what? The DNA of your heavenly father is this. God is love. That's what makes God up. God is love. The highest form of love. The highest quality of love. And God's love is not just status and standing. It's also his actions. It's not just who he is, but it's also what he does. <laughs> this is Ben, our only son. Is there a picture of him back there? He's a little blurry today, but that's Ben. He's our only son. He's not here this morning because he worked extremely late last night, so I didn't have to get his permission, and I don't have to beg his forgiveness. But Ben is my son, which means that my DNA has been passed down to him. Physical attributes that I was created with have been transferred to him. Up until Ben was nine or ten years old, Ben had blonde hair that came from his mother. 
But today at 21, he has darker hair like dad, with the exception that I have more salt than pepper now. Up until he was 15 years old, I mostly took Ben in basketball because I was bigger than Ben. Now Ben has his dad's DNA, he has his dad's stature, and now Ben beats me, and Ben beats me up at basketball. <laughs> me getting older certainly doesn't help. <laughs> and so the, the, question, the thing is, is that I have passed my DNA along to my son, as every parent has passed along to their children. So here's my question. My question is, do you have your heavenly father's DNA? <laughs> God is love. Not just in standing, but in action also. Now, I want you to get this. And this is, where the, this is where the point really comes home. The question, are you a John 3.16 taker? Or are you a 1 John 3.16 practitioner? Let that sink in. Are you a John 3.16 taker? Or are you a 1 John 3.16 practitioner? Do you just take love or do you practice love? Now I get extra time to preach today. In fact, someone told me this week, because I haven't preached in three weeks, we probably should have met in the dining hall so we could have food while I was preaching. So I get extra time today. So you stay with me for a few minutes. I choose love as a practice if it's not returned. I choose love if my motives are questioned. I choose love if I am gossiped about. I choose love if people rejoice with me. I choose love if people stab me in the back. They won't know that you are brothers and sisters in Christ by your appearance, by your dress code, by what you drove up in. They won't be able to see that you've got divine blood coursing through your veins. They won't see a, a sign over your heart that shouts, Jesus lives here. I'll tell you how they're going to know you. A new commandment, Jesus said, I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men that know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. That's not just love and standing. That's love in action. I'm going to mess you up here in a few minutes, so stay with me. Choosing love. Love is not just inside. Love is how you live. Love is not just in your heart. Love is on your countenance. Love is not just I am saved. Love is your Christian grace in a difficult situation. When you choose love, you choose love for all. Not those who make it easy. I went over there a while ago, so I'm going to come over here. But you choose love because you have your heavenly Father's DNA. 
27 years that I've been pastoring, and I had a revelation the other day, and I got to tell you, it messed me up. Let me give you the scenario. And as the man from Dragnet said, I'll leave the names out to protect the innocent. But I've got a longtime friend who is struggling with alcohol. And I'm trying to encourage this friend. Another friend, a mutual friend, checks in to see how friend number one is doing. Now stay with me. They're concerned. There's no ill will. No wrong intent. But in the midst of the text exchange, concerned friend number two says to me, well, you do know that this is not the first time friend one has had problems with alcohol. Again, no will, no ill will. Just sharing information out of genuine concern. I didn't receive it as gossip at all. Not at all. But I went to praying not long after that. It's the first time this ever happened to me. I was praying about the situation when the Spirit of God spoke to me and reminded me that friend number one's prior alcohol problems were under the blood. Listen to me. What is under the blood is not only forgiven by God, but it is also forgotten by God. Somebody ought to give the Lord praise. So what happened? As I was praying, the Lord, the Lord reminded me that if I have the Heavenly Father's DNA and I am loving like God, then that means I should compartmentalize your past that is under the blood and not reference it or talk about it if I'm truly loving like God. I'm about to preach here because the scripture tells me he took my sins. He cast them as far as the east is from the west. The scripture tells me he threw them into the depths of the sea. The scripture tells me he took my sins and your sins, cast them behind his back, never to remember them against us anymore. It rocked my world. When friend two brought up friends one past, what they actually did was brought, bring up what had been forgiven and forgotten by God. Now you need to get this. The law brings condemnation. That's his purpose. And while the law brings condemnation, the devil brings accusation. Come on now, somebody stay with me. The law brings condemnation. 
the devil brings accusation. So when you, in anyone's life, whether they're saved or unsaved, when you keep throwing up forgiven sins in someone's face, is it possible that you're acting more with the DNA of your old daddy, the devil, than you're acting with the DNA of your new heavenly father? That's tough. Your old daddy's DNA is accusation. Now, we were all created in the image of God. And God can do anything. I don't know why. God knows everything, but He chooses not to know your forgiven past. Somebody ought to say hallelujah right there. My goodness, a couple of y'all will be doing a cartwheel right here across the front of the church. <laughs> if I could, I would. That's awesome. Yeah, me too. It'd be an ugly thing if I do a cartwheel. God knows everything, and he chooses to intentionally forget your forgiven past. And I thank God I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but i got to be honest with you. I wish, if I could be tweaked a little bit, when it comes to other people, those that have hurt me and wounded me and injured me and caused me pain and betrayed me and stepped out on me. Come on now, I'm preaching to somebody. I wish the Lord would have kind of created that ability to block it from my memory. You saw it in the video. True love keeps no wrongs. Help me, Jesus, to love like you love. The law condemns souls and the devil accuses souls. But the most wretched sinner finds me and encounters me and experiences me. May they find and counter experience love of God that embraces them no matter what their past looks like. I didn't say it would be easy. And I didn't say that you wouldn't blow it. I certainly have. I mean, there's just some personalities, they just wear me out. Lazy people wear me out. They do. Lazy people wear me out. There's been men that I've wanted to look at and say, sir, get a job, take care of your family. You rolled around in the hay and had your fun. Now step up to the plate and be a man and not be a deadbeat dad. I'm just being honest. People who talk so much that you cannot get away, they, they work on my nerves. I, I, there was a guy in my first church, I'll never forget him, he's a good guy, but he loved to talk. 
I guess his wife never talked to him, never allowed him to talk. So he made up for when he came to church, I'm telling you. There was times that I was driving away in my car. And as I was driving out of the parking lot, he was walking alongside of the car talking to me. My wife knows what I'm talking about. People who always brag on themselves. Arrogant. Bigger fish story people. Man, I'm telling you, they wear on my nerves. You can't share a crisis because their crisis is always bigger. You can't share a celebration because their celebration is always bigger. <laughs> Confession is good for the soul. I was in Walmart, not here, several years ago, and I heard one of those personalities on the other aisle while I was grocery shopping. And I skipped that aisle so I wouldn't have to deal with them. We didn't get groceries from that aisle that day. I said, there's no way. And, you know, sometimes you look back on these things in retrospect, and you, you realize, I did not choose love. When you serve, you choose love. When you give, you choose love. When you forgive, you choose love. When you live pure, you choose love. When you wholeheartedly worship, you choose love. You say, Pastor, I cannot love like Jesus loved. You may not be able this side of heaven to love to the measure that Christ had, but you must absolutely love to the nature of who Christ was. Sometimes things just come along and they just kind of snap you into reality. We were serving in Richmond a few years ago. It was a Saturday morning. A man was on his way to work. It was 4 a.m. He was getting off 64 and getting onto the 295 interchange, and he saw a car on fire. He stopped and got the driver to safety. And then he simply went on to work. Wow. A complete stranger. I should be willing to go into a burning building for any one of you here. I should be willing to push you out of the way of an oncoming car even risking injury or death to myself. Why? Because I choose love. And yet I've had people that profess Christ look at me and say to me, if they were in a burning building, I wouldn't go in after them. How is it? How is it? There's got to be a way to get beyond it. That we can rescue a stranger from a burning car because we choose love. But yet someone that may even call themselves a brother or sister in Christ, we can't have a whole lot to do with them because we keep a record of their past wrongs. 
to us. Man, I'm preaching good here. How is it? Washed with the same blood. Have the same Jesus living in our heart. Well, you just don't know their reputation. Well, I'm hoping when you leave out of here today that you will give everybody in the room, everybody in your life, a fresh, clean slate. I don't know, preacher. You're really asking for a lot today. Can you choose to love someone and yet refuse to get caught up in their drama? You know, some people are just got, they got drama. They just got a little bit of drama. But can you choose to love them and yet not get caught up? Can we choose to love a soul that has betrayed us and disappointed us time and time again? We can when we love like God loves. How many times have I let God down? How many times have I disappointed him and betrayed him? How many times have I irritated and maybe even made him angry? But his love quotient for me never went down. I go to him and I say, Jesus, I'm sorry. He says, well, I'm going to come in and wash that heart. We're going to start this thing over again tomorrow. That word got away from me. That thought was displeasing. That action, it didn't bring glory to your name. I'm sorry. I haven't stopped loving you, son. I'm going to give you power to overcome it next time. <clears throat> John. Man, I, I look forward to meeting that fella. I really do. You're talking about somebody transformed outside of the Apostle Paul. I don't know if anybody was transformed as much as the Apostle John. I mean, there was a time he wanted to call down fire on a city. Absolutely. There was a time somebody else was casting out demons. He went to Jesus and said, they're casting out demons and they're not one of us. But Jesus changed his life, transformed him. Yes, he would be the one who would lean upon Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. Yes, he would be the one who would pen the golden text of the Bible, John 3, 16. Yes, he would be the one that would write more about love than any other writer in the Gospels. Yes, he would be the only disciple standing at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. Yes, he would be the one that would take Jesus' mother Mary to his home and care for her the rest of her days. But the one that wrote the golden text of all the Bible gave us an extended golden text when he said, we have now perceived the love of God. And because we have perceived it, because we have received it, now we ought to also, as a result of love, lay down our lives for others. Would you bow your heads this morning? I know there are folks sitting right here in this room. I know for a fact. You feel unloved. You feel uncared for.
whether you're a professing believer or not, this, this, is, not, this is irregardless of that. You, you, I, I sense it in my spirit. I sense when I came to this pulpit this morning that there would be those in the house that feel unloved. That there would be those in the house that would be uncare, feel uncared for. And I want you to know this preacher loves you. But my love is inconsistent. It can be erratic at times. But there is a Lord who loves you, no strings attached, with all your mess, all your junk. Pastor, I keep, man, I, I, I can't get it, seem to get it right. I keep slipping up. I keep making one wrong decision after another. I'm going to open this altar for you because Jesus wants to love on you today. There's a second part of this altar call, though. There's some folks in this room, some that are watching online, you need to be reminded to love like God. You got that one situation, that one person. And I'm telling you, God is, God is saying through His Spirit, you need to, in just a moment, you need to come to this altar and you need to draw out some love one more time for that soul or those persons that you're dealing with. Because love keeps no record of wrongs. You just don't have the, you, you just don't have that as an option. Not when you choose love. Not when you have your heavenly Father's DNA that began when He transformed you into a new creature in Christ. Man, this is tough. This is tough, preacher. You don't know. You're not in my situation. You don't know what I have to deal with. You don't know about my spouse at home or the way my children treat me after all I've done for them. Oh God. Holy Spirit, let me move in. I don't know who needs prayer. I don't know if you're feeling unloved, uncared for. I don't know if you need to, you need to come draw some love for a situation that you're dealing with, a, a relationship that is challenging you. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm on divine assignment today. Don't, don't, don't walk away from this. Choose love today. Choose love today. The world celebrates this day, but at its very best, it's phileo love. It's a mutual back-scratching. It's you do for me and I do for you, but the love of God is an unconditional love that says, I'm going to give love whether it's reciprocated or not. I'm going to love like my Father loves. I'm going to love like Jesus loves. I'm going to choose it today. Who needs to come and pray? This altar's open. This altar's open. Come on. Come on. Come on down. Anyone in the house? Anyone in the house? God bless that heart. 
There's others. You're sitting out there. I'm going to try to maintain my stiff upper lip. I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to give in. They're coming. Come on. They're coming. Come on. Love keeps no record of wrongs. There's some loving, compassionate sisters in the house. Some loving, compassionate sisters in the house. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. I'm in no hurry today. I'm in no hurry today. loving, compassionate brothers in the house. Where are you at? Now you're able today. You are able today. You're able today. You're able today. Lord, I 